As we've said, we live in a profoundly hurting world, in a broken world, and perhaps the question I have for you this morning is more important than ever, and that is this, are you a grateful person? I want us to look at a passage of Scripture this morning. It's a well-known passage out of Luke 17. If you have your Bibles, please turn to it. It's near the end of the earthly ministry of Jesus. And may God's Word grip us in such a way, our hearts and our minds, that we're never the same. Here God's Word is found in Luke 17, beginning with verse 11. While he, Jesus, was on his way to Jerusalem, he was passing between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered a village, ten leprous men who stood at a distance met him, and they raised their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priest. And as they were going, they were cleansed. Now one of them, when he saw that he had been healed, turned back, glorifying God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at his feet, giving thanks to him, and he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered and said, Were there not ten cleansed? But the nine, where are they? Was no one found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Stand up and go. Your faith has made you well. Let us pray together. Our Father, we come together this morning as a people truly needing to hear from you. Father, so often we go throughout our lives saying things like, There has to be something more. Father, would you come this morning and meet us? By your Spirit, we simply ask that you would quicken our minds and our hearts to be lovers of God and truly grateful people, even in the midst of profound sadness and grief. We pray in your matchless name. Amen. We know from verse 11 that Jesus and his disciples are on their way to Jerusalem. They're going along the border of Samaria and Galilee. They're not traveling north and south straight through Samaria because the Jews were not welcome there. And so they're going along the border. And as they're going along this border, they're encountered as they enter a certain village by a group of ten lepers. I'm going to ask a number of questions this morning as we seek to deal with this passage. First, what do we know about leprosy? Well, we know that leprosy is a dreaded disease at that time with no cure. It literally would eat away at the flesh of the fingers or the nose or the eyelids or whatever part of the body it seemed to attack. And it was contagious for other people. And we know that a leper was regarded as one who was already dead. What do we know about the lepers of Luke 17? We know that there were ten of them. We know that they were of a mixed nationality. 
with at least one of them being a Samaritan and the others probably being Jewish. And the Jews and the Samaritans, they didn't like each other at all. And it's interesting because it took this dreaded disease of leprosy to bring unity to a Samaritan and to Jewish men. And they were united in a death sentence. We know that they were standing outside of the city in accordance with Old Testament law, as it's found in Leviticus and Numbers, in order to prevent um, the spread of that disease. They were banished from involvement in any of the local society. They had to cry out if they came near a city, unclean, unclean. They were truly social outcasts. We know that the ten leprous men who stood at the distance met Jesus as he entered this village. They encountered him, and they probably had some knowledge that Jesus had healed others, and perhaps he would heal them. We know that they raised their voices saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. We know that their voices had not yet been taken by this dreaded disease. We know that they all appealed to Jesus as the master or as the rabbi to have mercy on them. And as they cry out, it's so interesting to see the response of Jesus. How does he respond to the leper's plea? He says to them in verse 14, Go and show yourselves to the priest. Why would he tell them to go and show themselves to the priest? Why doesn't he tell them just to be cleansed? The leper in Luke 5 came to Jesus. And he says, the scripture tells us that he fell on his face and implored Jesus saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And it says that Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him and said, I am willing, be cleansed. And immediately the leprosy left him. And then he told that leper, that cleansed leper, to go and show yourself to the priest. But now, in Luke 17, Jesus does not touch the lepers, nor does he tell them to be cleansed. He simply says, go and show yourself to the priest. There are a lot of things to see here, but let me just mention a couple of them. One is that Jesus does not always act or respond in the same way. God may choose a number of different ways to respond to our prayers and our pleas with Him. We cannot put God in anyone's box as far as to how and when and where He's going to work. Next, we see that Jesus is going to always, always act in accordance with His character and with His revealed will. And He had prescribed in the Old Testament that The lepers or anyone who was cleansed had to go and see the priest um, in order to get a clean bill of health. For you see, that was the normal procedure that had to happen. The cleansed person, after any disease, would go to the priest. And the priest acted as a kind of health inspector to certify and declare that the individual indeed was healed and therefore could be integrated back into mainstream society. You know, I'm really glad that we have doctors today because I don't want all you folks coming to me, and I'm glad that um, we um, care for your spiritual needs um, in a profound way 
But the physical health back then, um, if they were cleansed, they had to go to the priest. We seek here as God's family to promote and encourage each other's health, spiritual health, walk with the Lord through the depths of life. Jesus says, go and show yourself to the priest. How do the lepers respond? So interesting here. Um, they, you wonder if they looked at each other and said, what is he talking about? He hasn't even cleansed us yet. But whatever it is, we're told that they obeyed. They headed off toward Jerusalem to see the priest. And then we're told that it happened. In their obedience, in their going, they were healed. Verse 14, and it came about as they were going. They were cleansed. What does that have to tell us? So often, we want to bargain with God if we're truthful with each other. And say, if you just do this or that, God, then I will do what you want. I can remember a movie years ago in which I saw um, Burt Reynolds. And he was caught in the ocean currents far away from shore. And he says... Um, calling out to God, God, save me, and I will give you everything that I have. His strength is renewed. About halfway to shore, he screams out to God again, and he says, God, if you save me, I will give you half of everything I have. And then the next scene, it shows him um, walking up on the beach, saying, whew, I made it. And he goes his way. So often, we think that we have to feel something before we can do it. And we try to bargain with God. We can say, I can't love that person. Or I can't forgive that one because I, don't for, I, don't, I just don't feel like it. Um, we can say things like, I don't want to be part of a family. I don't want to be part of a body because I don't feel like it. You know what? God so often blesses us in the doing and not before. We're waiting on God to act sometimes when He has told us to do something, to be His people, to respond in love, to give thanks. And the real issue comes now as we ask the question, once cleansed, how did these lepers respond? We see in verses 15 and 16, Now one of them, when he saw that he had been healed, turned back, glorifying God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at his feet, giving thanks to him. One man out of ten, upon being healed, returned to Jesus, praising God with a loud and a restored voice. It was nothing like the voice, the sick voice, that had cried out only minutes before. And this man came in humility, falling on his face before Jesus to express his gratitude. He was grateful and he expressed it. You know, I don't think he was just grateful for the healing, but I think he was also grateful to the healer. Sometimes we're grateful for the things we get, for the things we're blessed with. But we truly need to be grateful to the blesser, the one who gives us so much. And then there's an amazing statement here. 
Scripture says, And he was a Samaritan. The Jews and the Samaritans were enemies. They didn't like each other. How does Jesus respond to the gratitude of the one leper? He has three questions. In verse 17, Jesus answered and said, Were not there ten cleansed, but the nine? Where are they? Was no one found who turned back to give glory to God except this foreigner? Nine of the ten did not return to give thanks to God. Our own Dr. Kistemacher in his commentary on Luke points out that the Jewish nation had been blessed far above any other nations, and yet this group of nine Jewish healed lepers allow one Samaritan to surpass them in praising God and expressing gratitude. Those who knew of God's care and had been taught about it were not the ones who were praising God. And there's probably a little bit of a danger for us sometimes in knowing so much in our rich heritage about God that we might not always take time to stop and to celebrate and to express our gratitude to our great God. Jesus responds with two personal encouraging statements to the Samaritan. He says, rise and go your way. He's probably telling him, now you can go back to the priest and get that clean bill of health from him. He tells him, your faith has made you well, pointing out the fact that this man was healed not only from the disease of leprosy. This man was also healed from the death of his sin by his faith through the grace of the Lord. The main point of the story here is that we are to be grateful for the undeserved mercies of God in our lives, and especially for that great gift of healing and the new life in Christ that has been given to us. We were really walking dead men and women, and God has touched our lives, and He has said to us, your faith has made you well. How long has it been for you since you really stopped. You took time to stop and to ponder God's love and care for you day by day. This is a good day for that. When have you thanked God for His grace in Christ's death to you? To express your gratitude to God for His work of grace in giving life to you. Sometimes I think as we get older that it all becomes very routine to us, too mundane. We lose the wonder of His love. We don't stop to ponder that love and to express our gratitude. C.S. Lewis in the Chronicles of Narnia in the book Prince Caspian says to Lucy in the valley and the ravines in the tough times of their life, he says... Every year you are older, you will see that I am bigger. You know, sometimes I think that as we grow older and even more mature in Christ, we should be seeing more and more the greatness and the power and the bigness 
of Christ and His love for us. And we ought to love Him more. And yet sometimes in our own pain, we have to ask, is God growing bigger for us or is He growing smaller? Is the cross being magnified or is it being miniaturized in our lives? We have to be obedient. God calls us to be obedient. It was in their obedience that the lepers were cleansed. But we must not be so intent on our obedience and in doing a bunch of good things that we neglect the really important thing of giving thanks to the Lord. The expressing of our gratitude to Him for all that He has done for us. We can be so busy that we never stop to give thanks and gratitude and praise to the Lord. This morning, I wanted to share a couple things about what can really help us get a grip on gratitude like nothing else. First, before we can be gripped by gratitude and express it, we have to be gripped by His grace. Now, I'm not a Greek scholar, but there's some really cool passages that tell us how grace and gratitude go together. In fact, they're from the same root word. You'll see on the screen there that grace is from charis, and gratitude is from eucharistion or teristio. Right in the middle of that word eucharist is the word grace. And if you are ever going to be a grateful person, you have to come to grips with the incredible grace of the Lord Jesus Christ in our lives. One verse, 2 Corinthians 4.15, ties them both together. It says this, All this is for your benefit, so that the chorus that is reaching more and more people may cause a Eucharistian to overflow to the glory of God. Or this way, all this is for your benefit, so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause gratitude to, to overflow to the glory of God. Grace is God's undeserved favor that He has lavished on us in Christ. And gratitude is our feelings and our actions of thankfulness being expressed for what we have not deserved. You know our culture. We're a culture of entitlement in which we say that we deserve this or that or everything else. Friends, in reality, we deserve so very little. Yet God has chosen to lavish on us so much. The ultimate being His love for us in Christ as expressed on this cross. We've done nothing that could ever merit us His love. He has extended His love and His grace to us. And we, therefore, are compelled to express our gratitude. As we close, let me mention a few thoughts here. There's no known cure for leprosy. Likewise, for our sinful heart conditions that separate us from God, there's no cure except through the trust in the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ that was shed 
on this cross for you and for me. You cannot be good enough to deserve forgiveness of your sins all by yourself. Any more than that leper could heal himself by being good. We must appeal to the master to have mercy on us. And just as the priest would act as the health inspector to certify one's healing and being clean, so it is with our high priest, the Lord Jesus Christ, who is not only our health inspector, but Jesus is our health provider also. Like the lepers, we are walking dead, dead in our trespasses and sin. And we must go to this high priest who has taken our place on the cross, our penalty, he's purchased our cleansing, and now he has declared us righteous. And he promises to be with us. This morning, another question for you. Have you been been gripped by the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ? Have you trusted in Christ? You know, there's so much here. Um, We're not going to get to all of it. But let me just say that one thing that the United Jew and Samaritan had in common there was their disease, and that united them. The other thing that has the potential to unite those of different cultures and races is the gospel of grace. Really, our theology of the church is being worked on here. And who is the church made up of? Um, Just as that leper colony, the social and ethnic divisions fall away, and so it is in the kingdom of God and in His church, we are to see each other not as rich and poor, not as American or Asian or Latin or whatever, not as old or male or female, not as from the north or south or educated or uneducated. We're rather to see each other as forgiven and saved by His grace. Today, we have a mission team who has been ministering in Japan. And seven decades ago, some of you and some of our fathers and grandfathers were at war with that land. And yet today, in Christ, we are united with so many there. One author states about Luke 17 that this incident only illustrates the truth that ingratitude towards God is the mark of most of humanity. Paul says in Romans 1, speaking um, of all of mankind, for even though they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks. But they became futile in their speculations and their foolish heart was darkened. The even more sad truth is that ingratitude towards God sometimes is the mark of those of us in the church. And in fact, one of the reasons I was drawn to this passage is I know a little bit of my own heart. And I see so often the ingratitude that I live with. What about you this morning? Are you a grateful person? Would you side with the nine or would you side with the one? It might have been expected that the Samaritan would have been the last of the ten lepers to go and give thanks to Jesus. He was a Jew. 
But Luke tells us that he was the first and the only one. And we see here the truth that if men do not give thanks quickly, they usually do not do so at all. I heard the story um, of a pastor at the graveside funeral and a very elderly gentleman who was burying his wife of um, many, many years was wailing. And he was saying, oh, how I loved her. And the family was really shocked at the emotion being expressed. And they tried to comfort the man and nothing worked. And he kept saying, oh, how I loved her. The pastor, after the funeral, tried to comfort him. And at other times, this would be a little bit funny, even though it is so sad. But the man responded, but you don't understand. I just about told her once. Is that how we are with God sometimes? We have so much to be thankful for. So much to be grateful for. And yet the busyness of life comes. And we just simply forget. And we go our way. May we this morning put a stake in the ground and decide to side with the one. How do we develop that gratitude in our own lives? We have to count our blessings in the midst of of the pain we live in day in and day out. We have to count our blessings. They outnumber the sand on the seashore, the psalm writer tells us. You know, we come here to worship every Sunday. And every Sunday we live in a broken world. This week it seems a little bit closer than normal. We have someone sitting here who was in the building downtown this week that had the shooting. We had others who were nearby. Do we understand God's care and provision for us day by day? We have many who are good friends with the Cone family. Might we be sources a blessing to that family in their time of need. Ponder God's grace. Ponder Jesus and the cross and we'll never be the same if we do. Be gripped by His grace and the gratitude will come. The leper, we're told, stopped in mid-track. He returned praising God and worshiping and giving thanks to God. You know, we really don't have to wonder if there's something more to this life. There is. And we need to take a good look right there at that cross and be able to rest in it. This coming Thanksgiving and Advent seasons... We have the opportunity as a church to stop and to celebrate, to stop and to express our gratitude. And I'm just, I'm going to close again here um, and challenge you in two areas to be willing to express your gratitude. The first is in the area of worship. 
Hebrews 12, verse 28 says, Therefore, since we receive a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us show gratitude by which we may offer to God an acceptable service with reverence and awe. You've received God's grace. Be a grateful people. First, worship. What God has planned for us through our worship team and through Jeff in the coming weeks, I don't know what it is. But I can tell you this, that I know God has something for us that is going to feed us in the depths of our being. Gratitude leads to worship. Would you pray that our worship would take us to new depths in our love for the Lord? Um, A number of you men sit in Band of Brothers every Thursday morning, and we have been praying that God would bring revival to our nation and to our city and to our church. But we've been praying that it would begin with each of us. Would you pray that God would start revival in your lives, in your heart. Let me read a passage that we're dealing with in Band of Brothers, if I can see it this morning. It's in Hosea, beginning with verse 1, very profound. Hosea says, Come, let us return to the Lord. He has torn us to pieces, but He will heal us. He has injured us, but He will bind up our wounds. After two days, He will revive us. On the third day, He will restore us, that we may live in His presence. Let us acknowledge the Lord. Let us press on to acknowledge Him. And surely as the sun rises, He will appear. He will come to us like the rains, like the spring rains that water the earth. The idea there is that after being torn to pieces, that God brings a downpour to restore us and to refresh us. That's the only thing that can give us His peace and His grace. In a few minutes, we're going to sing. And as we do, would a few of you be willing to come and kneel at the cross, perhaps for the rest of us. Jack will let you know when. The first way to express our gratitude is by worshiping. And the next way is by giving. And this Thanksgiving and Advent season, we have a bunch of ways that we can do that together as a family. I'm not going to go into them this morning. You'll see them on your little insert here. Tis the season to come together. And if ever that statement were true, it's true today. And there are going to be a number of opportunities that you'll see that we can come together as the family of God. And we can invite our families and friends to those events. But then on the other side, tis the season to give back. God has blessed us richly and we're called as we're blessed to bless other people. Now, you're going to have the opportunities 
to give one or all of these things, shoes, coats, time, food, toys. You can see the ministries they're going to go to. There's more on our website, and we'll be sharing more in the days to come. There's some tables down the hall that you're welcome to stop at and see um, those, but we'll, we'll be following those up in, in the weeks to come. As God has blessed you, would you stop and express your gratitude even through the pain, would you stop and worship profoundly? Listen to Hebrews 4. It ties our worship and our serving the Lord together. In verse 15, Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that confess His name, and do not forget to do good and to share with others for With such sacrifices, God is well pleased. Stop and celebrate. Let us join the one. Let me pray for us this morning. Our Father, we come now as a very weak, as a very hurting people to raise our voices in praise and worship. Father, we thank you for your gracious provision for our daily needs. We thank you for the new life that we have in Jesus Christ. We thank you for your everlasting love demonstrated on the cross of Calvary. We express our gratitude to you now as we sing. And we continue to uplift our family members who are beyond grief right now, the Cone family. Father... Come and minister to them. In the coming days, use us however you would like to love them and to express your love. Father, we come and we sing now only for your glory. Amen.